0: Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, June 16th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we recap a tough Orioles loss as they fall 7-6 in a walk-off loss in 10 innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including Adley Rutschman finally going deep for the first time in his career. Then I'll have some thoughts from the Bowie Bay Sox because I was in Bowie on Wednesday night to take in their doubleheader in person against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and just had some thoughts on some Bay Sox players, some that impressed, some that didn't, and uh, just a little talk about the Double A level of the Orioles system. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we'll start today's episode with a pretty tough loss as the Orioles were walked off on on Wednesday night. And this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Sports Card Investor. Download the Sports Card Investor app today and easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport with hundreds more added each week. Available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. And before we get to it, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, if you could take a second, give us a five-star rating and a review on one of those apps. Really helps out the pod a lot. And of course, we're here on YouTube as well. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. Even if you're not a regular YouTube viewer, if you can just hop on over to YouTube, hit that red subscribe button on the Locked on Orioles channel. Doesn't change your life. No annoying alerts, no annoying emails, nothing like that. Just helps out the pod. That's all it does. And make sure to like, comment, subscribe here on the channel. But again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast. Listen to the day. Couldn't do it without you, the listener. And for today's episode, again, we start Blue Jays 7, Orioles 6 in 10 innings in game three of a four-game set in Toronto. And the loss for the Orioles, which was a bit of a heartbreaker, drops them to 27 and 37 on the season. Then I'll get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles 7-6 loss to the Blue Jays. But let's start on a very happy note, because the first thing you need to know is that Adley Rutschman finally hit his first big league home run. It got the Orioles on the board and gave them their first hit of the night against Jose Barrios, the Blue Jays starter, who was really good. Seven innings, three runs for the Jays, eight Ks and no walks, but Adley got him in the top of the fourth inning with the Orioles already trailing five nothing. Adley lays into one from the left side for a two run home run out to right center field to make it a five to two game. He smoked this ball out there did Rutschman for his first career big league home run and for Adley it was obviously great to see him get one on the board came off the bat at 103.2 miles an hour traveled 411 feet to right center for the two-run homer and uh, obviously you know it was cool for him to get the monkey off his back get the homer he got the home run chain he got a huge hug from Trey Mancini when he got back to the dugout just overall an awesome awesome moment for Adley and that wasn't his only hit of the game he also had a double later in the game and uh, had three hard-hit balls in his four at-bats on the night. So the bat's starting to creep up and up, looking better and better for Adley Rutschman as he uh, He got to start in the cleanup spot for the Orioles, catching as well on Wednesday night. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' loss is Adley wasn't the only one who got into the long ball. And in fact, he was overshadowed by Ryan Mountcastle, who hit two home runs in this game for the O's the first one a solo shot in the seventh that made it a 6-3 ball game that one also coming off of Jose Barrios and then he hit what at the time was the game tying home run a laser shot over the wall in left center in the top of the eighth off of Yimmy Garcia that tied the game at six it gave him again two home runs on the day for Ryan Mountcastle And, I mean, he was just smoking the ball. Now, he did have a two for four. But, I mean, the first home run was, frankly, majestic for Mountcastle. That homer he hit in the seventh inning, 110.1 miles per hour off the bat, 424 feet. It almost hit the facade of the third deck, it looked like, in the Rogers Center. And then 105 off the bat, 413 feet for the two-run homer in the eighth that tied the game at six. He just loves hitting against Toronto. He now has 12 home runs in 28 career games against the Blue Jays after, of course, Mount Castle also homered in Tuesday night's game with a two-run shot in the third inning. He just continues to mash against this team. It's fun to watch him hit the ball like he does against the Blue Jays. Third thing you need to know from this one is as we go to extra innings, it was kind of a show that, well, it was a tale of, of two parts of the Orioles lineup on Wednesday night. Now, obviously, the Blue Jays end up with seven runs and the win. They had seven runs on 13 hits. The Orioles had six runs on just six hits in this game. You know, five of their six runs came off the homer. The only other run was Austin Hayes' RBI double in the eighth that made it a 6-4 game. But all six of the Orioles' hits came from the top four in the lineup. Mullins a 1-for-5 with a double, Hayes a 1-for-3 with a double and an RBI, Mountcastle a 2-for-4 with the two homers, and Adley a 2-for-4 with the home run and the double. The rest of the lineup, Odor, Nevin, Stowers, Mateo, and McKenna, they posted an 0-for. In fact, that group there for the Orioles did not even reach base in this game. They were a combined 0-for-19 from that bottom five in the order. O for 19 with 10 strikeouts for that group tonight. And to be fair, you know, Rugnet door did hit two balls hard on the night. Nevin and Mateo each had a hard hit ball as well. But they just didn't get anything from the bottom. And, you know, that kind of reared its ugly head in the top of the 10th inning. You know, the O's get the game to the 10th uh, with the bullpen just locking in. Oriole bullpen, 6 through the ninth 4 scoreless innings to get it into the 10th inning. And they just... They couldn't make it happen and really started with what they did. Kyle Stowers was the zombie runner at second. And the O's have Jorge Mateo get the sack bunt down, bunt him over to third with one out. But when you sack bunt for your nine hitter with Ryan McKenna coming up next, it's tough for that to work. You know you can't put all that pressure on your number nine hitter. And unfortunately, that's what the Orioles did. McKenna strikes out. And then Cedric Mullins pops out on the first pitch. And Adam Simber out of the Blue Jays bullpen puts up the zero in the top of the 10th inning. And that led things right to the bottom of the 10th, where it took the Blue Jays two pitches to win the game. Bo Bichette was out at second, and Felix Bautista came into the game. Vlad Guerrero took a 100-mile-per-hour fastball up high for ball one. And then the second pitch hit a 99-mile-per-hour fastball, just laced it down the line in left field for the walk-off single. Hit that ball 115 miles per hour off the bat. Just a screamer from Guerrero to win it. And it was just unfortunate that you know the bottom five in the lineup did just absolutely nothing. And the top of the lineup just didn't do enough. I mean, really, they did enough. The bottom just didn't do enough. And, and the top four weren't able to carry the Orioles. Fourth thing you need to know, I mentioned the bullpen. The Oriole bullpen was fantastic in this one. And yeah, I get that You know, Bautista gave up the walk-off hit. But he threw two pitches in this game. He gave up a single. Obviously, the run is unearned because of the zombie runner. I'm not blaming any of this game on Felix Bautista. But everybody else was great. How about Brian Baker? And, you know, I kind of, you know, talked down about Brian Baker on yesterday's episode when I did my power ranking of the seven Orioles offseason moves, the players they brought into the team. You know, I ranked Baker fourth and said, you know, he might need some time at AAA soon just because of how bad he had been recently. But Brian Baker had his best outing of the season On Wednesday night, and it was huge for the Orioles. He faces seven batters and retires them all. Two and a third perfect innings for Baker with two strikeouts through 29 pitches. Just two hard hit balls against Brian Baker. And he had all the stuff working. I mean, the velo was way up on the fastball, averaging 97 Brian Baker touched 99 miles an hour with one of his fastballs. It was wild to watch what Baker was doing. The changeup, you know, was looking good. Got two whiffs on that pitch. And what I think really helped Baker is of his 29 pitches, he only threw five cutters on the night. He's been, you know, really in love with that pitch at times. He backed away from the cutter threw more four seamers threw more changeups and it worked out. I mean, he threw one pitch again, 98.9 miles per hour. That was his hardest pitch of the season and maybe back on the Brian Baker train after that one. But he wasn't the only guy who got it done out of the pen. Dylan Tate with a scoreless eighth inning. And then how about Jorge Lopez goes one two three with two strikeouts in the bottom of the ninth to keep the game tied and send it to extras after he got the huge five-out save just one night before, thought he might not be available, but comes out and and makes easy work of the Blue Jays. Just big shout-out to the bullpen here because the fifth and final thing you need to know is that Well, the Oriole bullpen had to be so good because Bruce Zimmerman, unfortunately, was so, so bad once again for the Orioles. Bruce's final line, four and two-thirds innings, allowing six runs on 11 hits. Now, once again, he didn't walk anybody. He was throwing strikes, but he only had two strikeouts, no walks. He allowed three more homers in this game through 80 pitches. Bruce's ERA now up to 5.94 on the season. And, I mean, Zimmerman was just simply crushed by this blue jay order. I mean, he gave up ten hard hit balls on the night. It was it was not pretty once again for Zimmerman. And, you know, he, he went back to that, you know, new set position that Andy Costco wrote about in the Baltimore Sun this week. How Bruce thought that he was tipping his pitches over his last couple of starts. So, two starts ago against Cleveland, he tried something different, positioning his hands differently. His set position is now further towards his back hip to kind of hide the ball from any runner on second, maybe trying to see what he's throwing. And the results have not been good for Bruce. And now, this start was interesting in that, you know, he finally started to go away from his four seam fastball. I've been trying to get him to stop throwing that four seamer. He threw 80 pitches, only four. 18 four-seamers. He threw 30 change-ups on the day, which the change-up was not exactly terrible like it's been. He kind of had that change-up back. He got six whiffs of his 10 whiffs overall, came on the change-up. He was throwing it a lot better, threw 30 change-ups of 80 pitches, most used pitch. And we saw that new sinker a lot more. It was 18 four-seamers and 17 sinkers for Bruce Zimmerman. So trying to throw that sinker a lot more because his four-seamer just continues to get crushed, And it did get crushed on Wednesday night. Then we saw nine sliders and six curveballs. He did have two whiffs on the curve, but also gave up one of his homers on the curveball that Vladdy hit. I don't know. I mean, honestly, this start was a little bit better than the last couple for Zimmerman. You could see things starting to work a little better with that new set position and, and the tweaked mechanics. But he still has plenty to work on. And it does make you wonder and worry because, you know, Bruce Zimmerman chatted and Chris Holt chatted in that great story by Andy Koska in the Baltimore Sun about why he was making these changes and, you know, how things might be a little rough for a bit while he makes these in-season changes. But you have to think like, yeah, you know, it was bad before he made the changes. There's a reason why he made these changes. He thought he was tipping his pitches. But the thing that's been concerning is that it hasn't even gotten marginally better. In fact, it's gotten worse since he started making the changes and you can argue all oh, that makes sense. You know, he was going through a, you know, not a different windup, but a completely different set position that he's used to. It's going to take some getting used to. But to give up the six earned runs, he's given up five or more earned runs in four consecutive starts and five of his last six starts. He's given up four plus earned runs in each of his last six starts. I don't know if he needs a little A time, maybe a phantom IL stint to, to start working on these mechanics where he doesn't have to do it in games, but it's getting rough to, to watch Bruce right now. It stinks because he was so, so good the first month and a half of the year, and it's just been completely falling apart on him since then. Hopefully, hopefully, because he has some good pitches. He's got a good changeup, and that slider can work at times. Hopefully, he can figure it out again. I will say there was a lot of bad in this game. He got crushed, but... The positive to come out of it was he threw way less four seamers, which was good, and this was the best changeup he's had in a month, so at least some positives. Maybe he builds on that in his next start, but it got the O's in a, in a 5 nothing hole. They fought back to tie the game at 6, but just wasn't enough, losing 7, 6, and 10 innings on the Vlad Guerrero Jr. walk-off single as uh, game 3 of 4 in the series. Blue Jays have taken 2 out of the first 3 now, but I wasn't watching a lot of this game live. Went back and watched a good amount of the highlights here uh, before I started chatting with you here on a Wednesday night because I took in a game at Prince George's Stadium in Bowie on Wednesday night. My first minor league game of the year. I actually got two of them. It was a double header and wanted to share my thoughts from Bowie on some of the Bay Sox players coming up in just a second. But first, let's talk about Sports Card Investor. One of the newest sponsors here on the Locked On Podcast Network and one that has me Very, very excited, and should have you very excited as well. So, welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The Sports Card Investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, the Sports Card Investor app is a must have for baseball fans. I know a lot of you out there. Our card collectors, big baseball fans, love baseball cards. This is the app for you. I was scrolling on it today, just you know, taking a look through this new app. It's got so many cool features for any card collector. It is a must have. And this app again is completely free. You can check the latest values of your favorite cards, seven day charts, 30 day charts. You can find the best prices. You can even buy directly through the app with the eBay deals feature on the app as well. And, and you can find great deals on your favorite Players for your favorite cards, and there's never been a better time to start collecting cards. Your favorite players like Mike Trout, like Aaron Judge, like Cedric Mullins, like Ryan Mountcastle, and with the free Sports Card Investor app, you can see the latest values and find great deals to build out a one-of-a-kind collection. So download the Sports Card Investor app today. Available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, or go to sportscardinvestor.com/backslash locked on. So the Orioles fall to the Blue Jays by a score of 7-6. to six. They get walked off on, on Wednesday night. And uh, yeah, a little bit of a, a disappointing loss. But it was still cool to see the Orioles come back from the 5-0 deficit, tie the game, to see Adley go yard, to see Ryan Mountcastle go yard twice. At the end of the day, that game showed that this team still has fight. And even though they lost to a, a clearly superior team, a Blue Jays team who I picked to win the World Series before the season, they've got a whole lot of talent, they fought. After losing 11-1 to in Game 1, you come back and win Game 2 and are that close to winning Game 3 and can still split a series coming up today. The O's are, are certainly fighting in these games. But, you know, obviously they, they've got a lot of talent. More, They've got more talent at the Major League level than they've had the last couple of years. Also talent at the Minor League level, which I'll get to in a second. But first, I have an important favor to ask you, the listener. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcast and of course about Locked On Orioles. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey and thank you for your help. So I was in Bowie on Wednesday night, taking in a doubleheader for the Bay Sox against the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They are the AA affiliate of the New York Mets. And you know it was fun to get out to my first minor league game of the year. I've been to a couple Orioles games so far at the major league level, but I always try to get to at least one Bowie game and one Aberdeen game every year. And, you know, I grew up in, in the area around Aberdeen and have been to plenty of Ironbirds games in my life and, and try to get to, you know, a couple of Bowie games as well. But This is my first one of the year. Was able to get a double header. Uh, You know, went for multiple reasons, obviously, to see the Orioles, but also uh, friends with a couple of guys on the Binghamton team in the Mets system. Shout out to Josh Hedgeka and Hunter Parsons. Got to see them as well, which was great. But, you know, at the end of the day there was some interesting stuff that i saw from Bowie and, and and it was funny you know it was we we didn't get there for first pitch it was a 5:35 first pitch on a wednesday just tough to get from from baltimore to bowie uh, we showed up in the third inning of game 1 and and stayed till about the fourth inning of game 2 and headed out actually as i talked to you here 10:31 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night. The second game just ended. Uh, Bowie lost the first one 13-1 to uh, but came back and, and just finished up a 4-0 win in game two to split the doubleheader. But had some thoughts on some guys that I saw in this game and well unfortunately the first thought has to be the first guy I saw when I walked in. It was Binghamton. They were batting in the top of the third inning and the Bowie starter was Garrett Stallings who Well, put together definitely his worst start of the season. Remember Stallings, the right-handed pitcher who came over in the Jose Iglesias trade a couple of years ago and has entered the Orioles' system, pitching in AA now. His ERA after this start up to 7.74 on the season. And I got to say, Stallings, a 24-year-old righty, was a fifth-round pick of the Angels out of Tennessee. I have not seen many guys get hit as hard as Stallings did on Wednesday night. I mean, the Mets double-A hitters were pummeling Garrett Stallings. And he's got good stuff, and he's a strike thrower, and he doesn't walk guys. And and he was still able to get five strikeouts to just one walk. But he allowed eight runs on 11 hits, including three home runs in three and a third innings in this one. And I don't want to take away too much from this because it's obviously the first time I've watched him live. I've seen him pitch on MILB-TV a few times this year. And, and again, this is, well... Maybe not his worst start. He did give up eight runs in an inning and a third in Altoona on June 2nd. But his last four starts, Garrett Stallings may need some sort of reset. I'm not sure if something's going on, but his last four starts combined for Garrett Stallings, 12 and a third innings over his last four starts. That That is not good. That is uh, about three innings per start. He has allowed in that stretch 27 runs. In 12 and a third innings. It has not been good. And this was the latest of some bad outings for him. So hopefully he can turn it around. It just seemed like his breaking balls did not have as much bite. You know, his fastball is is right around 90. But the breaking balls and the off-speed stuff and the changeup gets guys off balance. They were just squaring him up. So that was a little concerning. Uh, but hopefully he can kind of uh, flip that switch Moving forward now after him, I did see Griffin McLarty pitch uh, who just recently was called up to double a and well, McLarty got hits uh, almost as hard as Stallings did in this one. McLarty was an eighth round pick of the Orioles in 2019 out of the College of Charleston, still only 23 years old, the right hander, but uh, got called up to, to Bowie this year, making his double a debut this season after he pitched eight and two thirds innings in Aberdeen got called up to Bowie. Hasn't gone well in Bowie. A 10.19 ERA for McLarty in A in 17 and two-thirds innings. And in this one, you know, watched him allow five runs on three hits over two and a third. Now, he did strike out four batters, but he walked three. He gave up a homer. He had a good start to his outing, came in in relief of stallings, and, and finally finished off that fourth inning. Was throwing hard, was throwing strikes in the low 90s, and then he got squared up again. Also got to see Tyler Birch. Didn't have... Many thoughts on him, really. Remember Tyler Birch, the right-handed reliever who the Orioles got back from the Phillies in the Freddie Galvis trade at the deadline last year. Twenty-four-year-old now has an 8.64 ERA in Double A so far this season. He retired all four batters he faced, no strikeouts, um, but you know I don't think the at-bats were super competitive because it was a 13-to-one game when he entered, um, but. Yeah, it was a rough game one to, to see from Bowie. And you didn't really even get to see many guys stick out in the lineup. It wasn't a great lineup for the Orioles. Uh, Joey Ortiz and Cesar Prieto, neither of them were in there for the Bay Sox. They had just five hits in the one run. But a shout-out to Greg Cullen, who did homer in this game in the fifth inning for the only run for the Bay Sox. Put a good swing on a ball, kind of admired his work, which was fun to see into right field. But didn't really get to see much uh, from anybody else, but I did feel like I saw a little bit more in game two. Now I did leave early, did not catch all seven innings, but, uh, the Bay Sox won game two for nothing. And a guy I want to shout out, I mean, big time for Bowie was Adam Stauffer who made his first start of the season for the Bay Sox. he, you know, it got to double A this year and Stauffer, who's still very, very young, even though he's been in the, in the O system for a while, was drafted out of high school in the 19th round in 2017 out of high school, uh, Coatesville high school in Pennsylvania. You know, he's been in the system for a while and he's kind of been a, a forgotten guy for some people, but you know, he, he's up in Bowie all of this year and he had made nine appearances so far and been good, but he makes his first start. I mean, Stauffer came in and against a... You know Mets Double A lineup that had just put up 13 runs in seven innings in the first game has a lot of top prospects like Francisco Alvarez and and Ronnie Mauricio and and you know Brett Beatty and all these great prospects in it. Stoffer was unhittable, literally unhittable. You know I, I was I was a little happy because you know Stoffer was through throwing the the no hitter through four innings when we left. And he had five no-hit innings in this start. Strikes out six, just allows one base runner. It was one walk. And Jensen Elliott did come in, give up a couple of hits, and they weren't able to uh, throw a combined no-hitter. But Elliott still helped with the shutout. But I mean, Stoffer, you know, watching the radar gun, he was he was 92 to 94. Not quite sure how off the in-stadium radar gun is uh, in Bowie, but, you know, the stuff looked, you know, low to mid-90s. He was snapping off some really good breaking balls. I mean, I had seen Adam Stoffer, I believe, pitch live once before, and I've obviously watched him on MILB TV, but this was crazy impressive. I was really, really impressed by Adam Stoffer. and again, you know, he's been in the system since 2017, but he's only 23 years old, you know, a big six-foot-seven, big guy right-hander. That was really, really good from Adam Stoffer. I mean, no notes. I mean, just Ridiculously good stuff and uh, really excited about him. You know, he'd been used out of the bullpen this year, but he gave him the start, what he was early in his career, and he made the most of it. And you know the other good thing for Bowie in Game Two, they had four runs on eleven hits, but I was able to see all four runs because Bowie scored four runs in the top of the first. It was a makeup game from a series in Binghamton, so Bowie was actually the away team, even though they were playing in their home stadium. They scored four runs in the top of the fourth, or the top of the first, I should say, and nobody scored for the rest of the game. Uh, but how about Maverick Hanley, who I know you know our friends over at BSL on the Verge have been shouting out? He's been red hot lately. Hanley just. I mean, destroyed a baseball off the scoreboard in left field for a two-run homer in the top of the first to get Bowie on the board. And this was against, you know, no slouch on the mound for Binghamton. Their starter, Shasin, was throwing 97 pretty consistently from the right side for Binghamton. There were a lot of scouts out there to watch. Jose Shasin, who is uh, is one of the, you know, not higher-ranked prospects, but is a known prospect In the Mets system, and Bowie just teed off on him in that first inning. You got the two-run homer from Maverick Hanley, which he just absolutely launched into orbit. I mean, that was that was fun to watch. And then Andrew Doshbach just squared him up for an RBI double to make it three nothing. And then Zach Watson hit a, a nice looking double down the line to make it four nothing. But I was really impressed by Hanley swing and uh you know the defense behind the plate didn't get to see him make any spectacular plays but just handled the staff well and hit a bomb and you know the other guys in the lineup Cesar Prieto I saw him get two singles in his first two ABs just looked so so smooth Joey Ortiz with a 3 for 4 you know his bat hasn't been quite there this year but but I was impressed with with what I saw from him and even Adam Hall who was DHing in game 2 was 1 for 4 Hit a screamer of a fly ball that the uh, Binghamton right fielder made a really nice catch on in the gap early in the game. It was a really good swing on a ball to to have that power out to right center. I was impressed by Adam Hall as well. But overall, that lineup, especially Prieto, Ortiz, and Hanley, they were they were one, two, three, Really impressed me in Bowie, and it was just fun to get out and see some minor league baseball. It was woof Wednesday, so there were dogs everywhere, um, and, and it was just a, a nice night in the minors in but we'll be back in a second to uh, finish up the episode, talk about what's coming up tomorrow. But 1st got to tell you about LinkedIn. Many of you obviously know LinkedIn. But as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. And I've been on LinkedIn a lot as I go through my job search, and it has helped me so, so much. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers, just like myself, visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. And you know how our friends at Built are always coming out with new amazing flavors. Well, this time Built Bar has truly outdone themselves with their new mud pie flavor, And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. If you're not sure what a Mud Pie tastes like, well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this one. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. I mean, that's a dessert right there. That is literally a dessert. But here's the thing. We saved the best for last. It's actually good for you, too. No, really all built products are low calories high protein and low sugar the mud pie is packed with 16 grams of protein only 150 calories and only 8 grams of sugar it's like your mom baked the most deliciously creamy chocolate mud pie and wrapped it up just for you and they've got all these delicious flavors not just the mud pie but make sure to go try the new mud pie built bar you're going to love it so go to built.com use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order again that is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Orioles and Blue Jays finish up a four-game series here on Thursday, a little matinee getaway day game in Toronto, a 3.07 p.m. Eastern time start for this one as the Orioles will try to split a four-game series. would be a huge success if the O's could split four in Toronto. Tyler Wells will go for the Orioles, has a 3.86 ERA on the season. And who else but our old friend Kevin Gaussman, Will start for the Blue Jays. And funny enough, you know, the Orioles obviously traded Gosman in the deadline back in 2018 to the Atlanta Braves, but Gosman's been in the National League the entire time up until this year when he signed the four year deal with the Blue Jays. So I believe this is going to be the first time Kevin Gosman pitches against the Orioles which is going to be cool. You know, now he's 31 years old, but he's been really, really good this year. A 2.67 ERA in 12 starts for Gosman. Last time out against Detroit, six innings, one run, six hits, four Ks and three walks. Just going to be fun to see Gosman pitching against the O's. You got Caleb Joseph up in the blue Jays radio booth. It's going to be like a reunion from the old Orioles, except for the fact that, well, no one is still there on the Orioles team besides basically Trey Mancini. And that's about it. But, It'll be fun to watch Kevin Gaussman. Tyler Wells has been the Orioles' best starting pitcher for the last month, so should be kind of an ace-off in Toronto. And uh, we'll see if the O's can try and split this series. And then I'll be back with you tomorrow for a Friday episode to finish off this week on the pod. I'll recap Game 4 between the Orioles and the Blue Jays, get you the five things you need to know from that one. And then I'll get you the latest Orioles roster move. They have claimed another infielder, off of waivers. It's a guy that O's fans may know as Jonathan Areuz, who has been with the Boston Red Sox, and the Orioles claimed him off waivers from the Sox. Now, they've placed him in AAA Norfolk for now, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in the big leagues with the Orioles somewhat soon. At least for now, he's just kind of a depth piece, but he's got a lot of big league experience, and we should see him at some point. Uh, he's been with the Red Sox for the past three seasons. But to make room on the 40-man roster, Zach Lowther, was DFA, the former top 20 prospect for the O's, who had a, a pretty bad outing in his one and only time we've seen him at the big leagues this year, gave up 10 runs in three innings in his start on Tuesday night in AAA Norfolk. Now, I'll talk about it tomorrow. I don't even think another team would claim him, so I think he probably stays in the organization, but things have dropped off a cliff for Zach Lowther. We'll talk about that and what RAUs can bring to the Orioles coming up on tomorrow's Friday episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.